0: You're listening to Episode 15 of Speaking with Deacon, The Pursuit of Happiness. Speaking with Deacon is a production of the Perusia Podcast Network in partnership with Voice of Charity Australia and EWTN Asia Pacific. Join us as we discuss strategies that will empower us to announce the gospel of the Lord daily through our words and deeds. This is Speaking with Deacon. Hello, and thanks for joining us once again on Speaking with Deacon. My name is Mark Griffin, and as always, joining me, I have Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. How are you, Deacon Harold?
1: I'm doing well, Mark. It's great to see you, my friend.
0: Great to be with you again. We're getting closer and closer to your trip down under once again for this year, so you're looking forward to that trip, your eighth trip to Australia?
1: Oh, I I am. I, I love Australia. You know, I I'm almost got like a consider it like a second home now. It's a country I've been to. The only place I've been to more is Canada, but that's okay. just right north of us, there, right? So that well, that's kind of like place. cheating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but of all the other twenty four countries that I've been to outside the United States, Australia is the the one I've been to the most. So I'm very excited to come back again. This yeah, time, well. I'm talking about the Bible, you know, with that's Charlie all. Corbett. So it's not typical topics that I talk about. So I'm excited to be helping people uh, immerse themselves more deeply in God's Word.
0: No, we're looking forward to the trip. And yeah, to have Sonia here for the first time as well is going to be something a little bit different to the rest of your tours. But the, the book that you've written together, Ignite, and the video series and the audio series that goes with that, I think is going to be really useful for people. So it's not brand new, but we're excited to be presenting it to the audience down here. And yeah, hopefully we, we reach a lot of people with, with the Word of God.
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. There's no, there's no question and, and doubt about it. If People come out. I think they're going to be uh, fed spiritually. I think they're going to love Sonia. Uh, yes. She's fantastic. We've we spoken together once before, uh, well, actually twice before. When I first met her was a conference in uh, Texas, in Midland, Texas, and then the second time was we were on pilgrimage together. It was myself and Sonia and Father Larry Richards, and right. Sonia did a and, and Sonia and I did some presentations because we were in the Holy Land. Right. So yes. we based some of our talks on uh, uh, on the scriptures and on our book as, as it pertained to the sites in the Holy Land. So it was a wonderful experience. I look for this extended time with her uh, in Australia.
0: Yeah, no, we're looking forward to it. And we we in Australia have um, been introduced to Sonia Corbett back when all the lockdowns were happening. Sonia was part of a few of our online um Courses and, and offerings that we had. So looking forward to having her here in person. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good trip. So that's July twenty twenty three for those. I think I think it's July. July isn't it, Deacon? July. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. So for those
0: local here in Australia, keep an eye on our events page. We'll have all the details of all the individual events as as they're locked in. But July twenty twenty three. So look out for that. Uh, today we're going to be speaking on top, a little bit different to what we've spoken on before. Uh, we're going to be speaking on the topic of the pursuit of happiness and how we can find true joy. Now, I would imagine that this topic is of of quite a bit of interest to a lot of people who are maybe trying to hit reset in their lives after an extended period, uh, extended periods of, of maybe fear and manipulation, not knowing what you can and can't do anymore. And yeah, people really need to find peace again. So I think this particular topic might really help them on that path. Uh, so many people, they've really lost that sense of peace. They're not sure where to turn to maybe find it again. So I pray that we can help sort of lead them in the right direction today. Deacon, can you begin with a definition of happiness? And now I've heard you suggest that this is not the same thing as joy. So can you also please explain the difference?
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, I would say this. Um, the problem that we're seeing in our culture is that people are trying to be Happy in life to find happiness in life, but you can never find true happiness until you have joy See, because joy and happiness are not the same thing in order to be happy. You first have to have joy. So what do I mean by by uh, by the differentiation between the two? So if you look at some people who are famous, right, you have famous actors, you have famous athletes, uh, you have famous musicians, you know and uh, you know, and you look at their their life, and you see all the the countries they get to go to to uh, to, to act or to to write or to speak or to play their instruments. Um, and, and on the outside, everything looks great. everything looks amazing. But on the inside, there is no happiness because there's no joy. So what mm-hmm. happens? Sadly, we've seen in some cases uh, that some of these musicians will commit suicide. You know, some of these actors will commit suicide as well. Um, you know, since the pandemic, as you mentioned, Mark, uh, we've seen massive increases, at least here in the states, with uh, teenage and young adult uh, anxiety and depression. You oh, know, um, since 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 the since the pandemic, you know, so um, again, how do you you can you can get past it, but you first have to joy. So here's what I mean by joy: um, in Romans chapter eight. St. Paul says this um, for those who live according to the flesh and the word he uses there is a Greek word sarks, which has two meanings. It has a meaning that Jesus uses it in, in John chapter six, where he says, eat my flesh. And, and the word there for flesh is sarks, which means flesh on the bone. The Mm -hmm. other meaning of sarks is worldly things, fleshy things, earthly things. And that's the way Paul is using it. So he says, for those who live according to the flesh, according to the world, set their minds on the things of the flesh, on the things of the world. That makes perfect sense. Worldly thinking, worldly living. Because but those who live according to the Spirit, according to the teachings of God, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Godly thinking, godly living. Makes sense. Here's the kicker. To set the mind on the flesh is death. See, so to focus your life on, on the things of the world, on the things of the earth, on the materiality and the pleasures that this world offers alone without any other focus, just focus on that is death. That means you will cut yourself off from God's life. That's the happiness that people are trying to pursue that they're living this worldly fleshy existence without God. Uh-huh. So they're trying to find happiness, but he, and, and Paul finishes by saying this, but to set the mind on the spirit is life. And peace that's where the joy comes from once you set your mind and your life according to the spirit according to the mind and the heart and the will of God you now have joy that then enables you to have happiness in life but here's the thing when it comes to faith because you're joyful doesn't always mean you're going to be happy Uh okay Now, now that's important Because a lot of people will say, okay, in order for me to be really happy, I have to have pleasure. I have to feel good all the time. That's a very Epicurean way of thinking, right? So Epicurus was a guy who lived in the time of the Romans who felt that um, things that made you happy and gave you pleasure were good. And things that made you sad or were very unpleasant were bad. So you would you would maximize those things in your life that gave you pleasure, and you would minimize those things in, in your life that that did not give you pleasure, that made you that made you not feel good. Okay, the 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 difference is this with us as as followers of Jesus Christ. For example, Mary at the foot of the cross, right? She was joyful, but she wasn't happy, mm-hmm. right? Because God's will was being fulfilled as Jesus prayed. We prayed Psalm twenty two. Uh, it's a messianic psalm of fulfillment. He was letting those people know that this uh, prophecy in this psalm is being fulfilled right now. And Mary's part of that, right? Psalm 22, it says, um, you know, uh, it talks about, uh, from my mother's womb you have been my God, right? And, and so, and there's his mother at the foot of the cross. So she was not happy, but she was joyful. See, because joy means when you set your life uh, according to the Spirit, according to God's mind and heart, that means you're doing God's will. Doing God's will doesn't always ensure happiness in life as far as, you know, um, the uh, happiness in a sense like pleasurable, right? But the happiness comes from the fact that you're doing God's will in joy. So some people are called to suffer, right? Some people may suffer injustices. Uh, the martyrs died for their faith, but they died joyfully. They weren't ha- they weren't happy about what was happening to them, but they were joyful because they were dying for Christ. That's the difference between joy and happiness.
0: And how often do you hear in those stories of the martyrs, the martyrs who were openly singing and praying, and and there was a sense of it's not even resignation, but just a sense of peace that they had accepted the will of God. And that sure, it was a suffering that they were going through, but they even nearly got beyond the suffering because they had the joy. And the joy was actually what actually enabled them to get through the suffering because they had accepted this was God's will. And it really does, it really does make us stop and think when we pray the Our Father, thy will be done. Are we praying that genuinely? And do we really want that? Because sometimes that doesn't come with suffering. But if we do really want that, we will be able to actually face that because we have accepted god's will in our life, so but yeah, just that, that that image of those martyrs and and singing as they're being burnt at the stake or or mauled to death by a lion there's something really telling in
1: that yeah, exactly you know um and, and that's something and it says that's counter cultural today because mm-hmm. we've gone as a culture as a society we've gone back to that kind of epicurean way of thinking. Do yeah. things in life that will maximize pleasure, that will make you feel good, even if it is at the expense of the dignity and humanity of another person. Mm-hmm. See, that that's thats we run into all kinds of problems in our culture today. That's why we, as followers of Jesus, must be countercultural. We must show the world what true joy looks like so that we can attain the happiness that so many of us seek.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, Satan is the great liar and deceiver, but we're actually quite good at deceiving ourselves, no doubt with a bit of help from him. But we can actually tr- convince ourselves that this whatever activity that we're doing or this, this car that I need or this house that I want, this is what's going to make me happy without any, as you explain, without any aspect of joy to that, and it becomes just a material happiness. And we might genuinely have convinced ourselves that we are happy. We are happy roaring down the highway in a Ferrari or, or whatever the example may be. But but ultimately, those things are now a crutch because if we take those things away, we don't have that happiness. We never gain the joy. So we're actually left in a state of despair and and really a state of resentment at the fact that that's now gone. It, it really has become a crutch at that point, hasn't it?
1: Oh, there's no question about it. You know, the the, the analogy I always use... Uh, I like to use, because I'm a musician, so I like to use musical analogies. It's like a violin, right? So you have a violin, and the violin has four strings. Now, the culture in the pursuit of happiness without joy will look at that string on the violin and say, you see that string? That string is not free. See, that string is tethered. it's, It's controlled. It's manipulated. It's being used by the rules and commandments and moral codes of the violin. So in order for the for that violin string to be truly happy and fulfilled, we have to free it from the body of the violin that's controlling it and manipulating it and not allowing it to be free to do whatever it wants. And so the society would go over to the violin and take the tuning peg and tune that string all the way down, remove it from the, the nut, from the fretboard, from the bridge, and lay the string down next to the violin. Now, the culture would stand back and look at that and say, see... <laughs> Now look at that string. The string is no longer controlled by the commandments and moral codes of the violin. The string is now free to do whatever it wants. What is the string now free to do whatever do, to do, Mark? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing. It's useless. And that's the point that you were just making, Mark. If we live our lives of his truth is whatever I want. Freedom is whatever I want. It's an illusion of happiness. It's not really happiness why because when you pursue those things without any foundation that's rooted in a transcendent set of principles that always looks for the best in the other that Mm -hmm. that allows you to make a gift of yourself to another it becomes about the trinity worshiping the trinity of me myself and i and so you will always try to pursue things with that mentality with that mindset that will that that you're trying to find things that will make you happy but you'll never find happiness. So like you said Mark, you have the you have the uh Ferrari, you have the big house, you have the big boat, you have all the things that the culture says you have to have to be happy and free and fulfilled and you're still sad. You're still depressed. You you get to a point in your life where you have all the stuff but you feel that something is missing. That there's what 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 is that? We call that midlife crisis. <laughs> what is it a crisis of? Faith, but yeah. what's the faith but what's the culture's answer to that? more stuff <laughs> why? because you're you're not good enough the way you are you have to you have to be defined by the possessions that you own. that's what determines your worth. that's what determines your value. not a deep intimate relationship with God, but all the things around you of the world. up oh, what did Paul say in Romans eight? to set the mind on the world is death.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, realistically, if we're trying to find ultimate happiness in the things of this world, we're always going to fail because this world doesn't contain the ultimate and nothing here is ultimately going to satisfy us for eternity. So God is the only one who can ultimately satisfy us. And so that emptiness is like that that as they say that god sized hole isn't it and and god is the only one who's going to be able to fill that as saint augustine said our hearts are restless until they rest in you i think that was saint augustine wasn't it and that's right how do we how do we communicate this to the world though you you talk about the midlife crisis and and they realize wow there's something missing how do we at that point or god willing even before they get to that point how do we redirect that and say, this is what's missing. This is what you know that your heart is crying out for. This is what you need. This will fill that, that hole. How do we communicate that to them?
1: So the thing think about like this, the look at the reverse. So the, the, we as people of faith would look at that string and say, that, that's off the violin say, that string is not free. It can't do anything. It's mm. completely useless. So what would we do? We would put the string back over the bridge, onto the body, onto the nut, into the tuning peg on the fretboard, and we would tune right the the, the teachings of the catechism of the Catholic Church, the, the scriptures, right, the, the moral, the, the, the et- morals and ethics and all those things that we use in the faith, that uh, those things tune us to the perfect pitch for which we were created. And now when you not just play the one string, when you play the all the strings in harmony. Now mm-hmm. the entire instrument makes sense and has purpose and meaning, because it's all about being part of that body of Christ, right? It's uh-huh. it's not about me; it's about how I can make a gift of myself to others. And now we're starting to live in joy. So, so how do we get there? We we have to be the witness and example to the world of what true joy is, um, you know, and and, and that starts with divinization, right? So basically, that's a fancy word for saying. Um, recognizing God's life in us right and that's that's biblical second Peter chapter one verse four says that we are partakers in the divine nature first Corinthians chapter 6 19 Paul says our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit that we have within us from God right Genesis 2: nine says that God breathed into our nostrils the breath of life and so uh, and man became a living being so we have. The breath of God's life, we share in God's divine nature through the sacrament of baptism. We have to exude that love and exude that joy to others, so they can see what true happiness is all about. Like, for example, someone may say, uh, "You know, gosh, how uh, look at you! You know, you, you, you're you you're living in this very simple house. You know, you you know, you're you're uh, uh, you know, you don't have you only have one car." In your family, you know you you're barely making ends meet. How, how could you be so happy? Well, you know, I, my wife and I, our marriage has has never been stronger. My kids are all practicing the faith. What more do I need? You see, because the culture's trying to measure about what school did your kids go to and how much money do you have, and how and you're measuring it by how close you are in intimacy with God. See it, it, that when it comes to that kind of joy, money doesn't matter. None of that matters. Uh, what matters in the end is is how you're making a gift of your life to God, how you're witnessing to the power of God's love to others so that they too can experience the type of joy the, uh, that we experience every single day when we not only live our faith with passion and conviction, but cooperate with the grace of the sacraments to go out to live a Eucharistic faith in the world as witnesses of God's love. That's where the rubber hits the road.
0: Using that example, it makes me think of St. Paul where he says, test everything. And if someone were to come to you and say, wow, look at these conditions that you're living. How can you be happy? How can you not want to improve that or to purchase that? Or... And if you test their argument, it's got holes right through it because they're the ones that are saying, you need more, you need more, but they probably have more than you do materially, but yet you're the one who's happy. So it doesn't take much pushback to realise that in testing their claim, it's, it's, it's um, basically, as I say, it's got holes
1: right through it. Yeah, exactly. And and I'll just show you a little picture from my own life. I mean, I was never, I mean, I was a monk in my twenties, right? So I don't really care about all the material stuff, the cars and the house and I I could care less about that. But there was a time where I was kind of focused on career. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was, I was uh, working my law enforcement job. I had a consulting company. I was working, uh, not working, but I was a deacon in, in my parish um, and, but, and I was spending about 70 hours a week working, you know, and I wasn't even traveling. I wasn't speaking anything about the faith or anything like that back then. Um, and, and so you'd have thought I would have been happy because materially we had the money and all of, and all that kind of stuff. I take the kids to Disneyland and all of that, but it wasn't until I left that job and left that career behind and left that money behind and started, um, you know, this, this journey, um, uh, speaking and writing about the Catholic faith all over the world, you know. Um, so it it, it doesn't have the same kind of security as a job did with four hundred one k, you know, uh, retirement benefits and and a set salary and all that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, but my marriage has never been better since I left that job. My relationship with my kids has never been better since I left that job. Right. So materially. Mm-hmm are 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 do we have the same things we had when I was working nope but you better believe I'm much more joyful now than I've mm-hmm. ever been at any point in my marriage uh since since I started speaking and writing full time it's been an absolute tremendous joy and God has taken my life and my family's life places that I we couldn't even imagine when I first you know I first made the decision to start doing this full time, never thinking I'd go to Australia. Never mind eight, almost eight times. Uh, you know, um, having the relationship with Perussia, you know, and the countries I've been to with Charbel that we've traveled to together, you mm-hmm. know, to to kind of open new markets for Perusia I mean, that's just insane. Writing mm-hmm. books. I mean, my sixth book is coming out later this year. It's just like, wait, what? I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing? I get up every morning saying, I don't believe I get to do this again today. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's joy right yeah. there because you're focusing on the things of God, on the things of the spirit. And that will all now it does again, doesn't always make you happy because sometimes those bills come you like, okay, uh, I have to put that one off until the, you know what I'm saying, until the next, you know, to the next time and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but but I've never been more joyful, never been more joyful. And and my only regret, Mark, is I should have left my job sooner.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's such a testament to trusting in God and taking that leap of faith and you, know, you give it over to the Lord and just let him do what he does with our assistance. It's obviously not just sitting back and putting your feet out, but trusting in him, uh, it makes all the difference. And that actually, it sort of brings us to something that, you know, I, I might get a little preachy here and forgive me if I do, but, but many, no, people have heard, no. many people have heard that, that, that phrase, you know, um, put not your trust in princes. Whilst it's obvious that Satan is the prince of the world and, you know, that that can't be disputed, Uh, he often works subtly through, you know, prominent figures in this world, whether it be celebrities, politicians, athletes or, you know, even dare I say more recently doctors and, you know, people we're tempted to look up to but may not have our best interests at heart as we've learned over the last few years especially. So how do we keep guard against placing false trust in people people who we think have our best interests, where we're going to find our joy and happiness in their in their path for us. So how do we avoid putting a false trust in them without becoming suspicious of everybody around us? And I think that's also something that's happened in the last few years is you see the other side of it. So people, one, on one hand, people are, are so trusting in everything that's presented to them. And on the other hand, people are so suspicious and understandably, but still suspicious of everybody and sometimes unfairly of some people so how do we avoid having us all basically huddled up in the corner in fear and how do we maintain a sense of of peace and joy in what is such a broken world
1: yeah that that's a that's a great question mark and i i would definitely say for me it'd be eucharistic adoration see what what we the problem is mark we've been listening too much to the world and the world is full of noise the world is full of distractions the world are full of things that take you away from the message of the gospel and and so to even go a little more to your point mark there've been some catholic uh commentators bloggers speakers um who have in in my opinion uh gotten so far away from the original message of what of the gospel they no longer even talk about Jesus anymore. It, uh-huh. It's all about, it's all about um, what I call rabbit holes, you know, going uh-huh. down these sidetracks, these rabbit holes, these, these uh, uh, tributaries, you know, that go off from the side yeah. of the river the, that flow off in a different direction, that the the focus is no longer on, on, on God, on the things of the spirit. Uh-huh. And so w- when those things happen, we put our trust in those things, then that moves our hearts away from its ultimate goal and purpose, which is a deep relationship with God. And so we have to start listening to God again. And the way we do that is silence. God speaks to us in the depths of our hearts. And in order to hear that voice, we have to be quiet, right? Uh, That's why, for example, uh, Psalm 46, verse 11 says, Be still and know that I am God, right? And and Yaudah, uh know there in Hebrews, Yada it means knowledge that is gained by experience, right? You have to experience something in order to know it, right? Habakkuk, it says, uh, silence all flesh in the presence of the Lord, for he stirs in his holy temple. You know, again, God in the tabernacle, in the monstrance is there, and we should be quiet before him. It's about quieting ourselves down, getting away from all the noise and distraction, Putting ourselves in God's presence in the Blessed Sacrament to listen to what He has to say about our life, to listen what God has to say about uh, how I'm going to use my gifts and talents to honor and worship Him. It's about what kind of husband and father that I should be. Am I making the right decision here? That's going to be not the best decision for me, but for the best decision for my family. You, you, you have to make those decisions before God. And it has to be in silence. So you can truly hear God speaking to your life, to your heart, to your situations, to your needs, to your life. You know, um, So get away from the distractions and focus on God. That would be my number one thing is, is Eucharistic adoration. Or if you can't get the adoration to find time every day for silence, to just listen and focus mm-hmm. your heart again on what God is saying to you.
0: And I think it's important on that point to actually do it so don't think, oh, I'll just, everything will be silent as I go to bed because, you know, you might drop off and then the time's wasted, you know. So it's a matter of finding a productive time, not just finding the time, but finding a productive time, time where you know you can be attentive to the Lord, where you know that you're not so exhausted or, or just there's something that needs to be dealt with. You don't step out, deal with it so that you clear the space to have that time to give to the Lord. I think that's a very important um, qualification to that. Just to say, look, make sure it's a good time to be doing it. And don't just tick a box.
1: No, exactly. I mean, it should be, think about it. You, you, we say that God is the most important person in our life. Relationship with Jesus is, is the best thing in our life. Then we should find time to mm. be with God, right? Just like you, you wouldn't say, oh, I want to spend time with my wife. You know, uh, let's wait until we're both really super exhausted uh, before we actually do something together. Like, no, you can't even have a conversation because you're both like half asleep. You know, you find a time that's productive. You get a babysitter for the kids. You find time to go out and enjoy your time together. It should be the same thing with Jesus. Find a quality time of the day when you're awake and alert, um, you know, where, where you can just pour your ha- heart out before him and not be afraid to be vulnerable. You know, that mm. should be a time that you, uh, again, should be engaging your heart with God's heart. and That's a beautiful thing, but you're right, it should be a time where uh, we're getting the most out of our relationship with Christ in that moment, and it should be a time that we're awake and alert and ready.
0: And I think a lot of people also, when they claim that they're taking that time and, and going to adoration, for example, they will claim, I'm spending time with the Lord, but there's not one moment that they're just quietly at peace. They might pray their rosary with a little prayer booklet, which is, sure, it's a very wonderful thing to do. And then they pick up another book and and for spiritual reading before you know it, they've done their hour of adoration, but they haven't just sat and just been there. They had to do something to busy themselves. And I think this is a a symptom of the world is we have to be busy. We have to be active and we don't know how to just sit and listen
1: anymore. Do we? No, we don't. And you know, for young people, I, I, it's hard for them to imagine even being without their phone in their hand for an hour imagine that they they can't imagine what their life would be like without having the phone in their hand for an hour i mean again those technology is wonderful but it's a tool it's not your life (laughs) right and so being in adoration we have to get used to being silent again because we're very uncomfortable with silence in our culture and quite frankly even in our church Mm -hmm. you know at mass I, i can't tell you how many churches i go to You know, the the reading from uh, first letter of uh, first book of Kings and then the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Responsorial Psalm. That -hmm. responsorial Psalm. Second reading from Acts of the Apostles. You know, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, oh, I mean, what are we in a hurry for? Slow down. (laughs) Just take some pauses. I mean, in, in the word, in the scriptures, God just spoke to us. He literally we heard words inspired by the Holy Spirit or we heard the words of Jesus himself. Let's take some time to, to have our hearts process what we just heard. Oh. Can we allow God's word to sink into our hearts, to, 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 to uh, be absorbed into our minds for five seconds, to allow God's word to penetrate our hearts before we move on to the next thing? What are we in a hurry for? You see, oh. so even in our own liturgy, sometimes we become impatient. And we don't, have, we don't build enough uh, time and space for silence. St. John Paul II says, one of the ways we can be more, most active at mass is in silence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because active participation doesn't mean that you're actively doing everything. Active mm-hmm. means a deep, richer, inner participation. And a lot mm-hmm. of that comes from just being still and listening.
0: And being present to what's actually happening.
1: Yes, rather than needing absolutely. to do
0: the next activity as a contribution towards it. It's not necessarily needed. We, we're needed to be present. We're needed to be present to give glory to God. So, yeah, it's, it's very important. It's something that, something that we all really can struggle with if we're not attentive to it. And even as far as, you know, I think I've said it before, when it comes to, to things like this, listening to a podcast. Are you the sort of person who listens to a podcast and then takes time for the rest of the day to reflect on what was said, to weigh it up? To, to you know, to test it, is it something that was worthwhile? Is it something that I've learnt that I didn't like and have to steer clear of? Like to actually absorb what it is that's been said, rather than all right, playing the ending music. All right, what, what's the next one I'm going to play? Who am I going to listen to next? Like there's some wonderful content out there, but if we're not able to stop and reflect on it, it's going to miss us because we're so urgently getting to the next podcast or. You know, people that sit and watch these TV series and they just binge the whole series across a couple of nights, you think, what could you have been doing with your time that would be so much more effective than than that? So it's not saying that any of these things are objectively bad, but we can really misuse them to our detriment.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that sometimes when you listen to podcasts, you're challenged, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so th- there's some uh, natural pace, places to pause. And say, "Ooh, whoa! Wait no. a minute. They no. just said something right there. Hold on a second. I, I, I wait. Re- rewind. Let me listen to that again. And because, and because you know, it challenges you to stop and think, how is this applying to my life? You know, is this something? Is this the message that I've been waiting for from God that's going to help me take my relationship with Him to that next level? You know, um, am I just am I being too complacent right now in my relationship with God? Am I am I a little bit too comfortable?" Mm. where i am right now in my relationship with god we should always be striving for greater we should always strive to go deeper in our relationship with god i mean it's just like any relationship you don't stop having a relationship with your wife you don't stop going deeper he's like okay well, we're married okay that's it we're just going to just stay the same way for the next 50 years i mean it doesn't work like that you're always mm. looking to go deeper you're always looking for different levels of intimacy and and prayer is another way of entering into that space. So silence, and and prayer, and fasting. I think would be those three things together um, would would really overcome, uh, would really help us to get to that place of happiness through joy. Because what does fasting do? Fasting, we you're fasting from food, or even fasting for something that you enjoy, like you may say, I'm not going to watch television for a month. You know, and and that longing, that yearning, that desire that you have for food or for your favorite television show, the anxiety that you feel because you're not watching, that Mm. angst, that desire reminds you that what you're really longing for is a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And when Mm. that desire is united with your prayer, that's a powerful combination. So uh, again, the church gives us everything that we need um, to, to live that life of joy so we can have happiness. We just have to want it and desire it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The church has the truth, the truth. And my, my school motto growing up was Veritat Liberabit Vos, which is the truth will set you free. And I hope my Latin teacher isn't listening because that would probably embarrass him greatly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the truth will set us free. Now our joy that we have the truth, that should be infectious. And as you're saying, to, to bring people there, we have to be the example. Now, some people may be meeting Jesus for the first time through us. So, I suppose what we've talked about is we've talked about preparing ourselves through that quiet time being alone with the Lord preparing ourselves to be the best presentation of Jesus that we could be when it comes to like we, we it could be today someone could walk by you and and that's the first time they've ever heard of Jesus and and like, what are we presenting to them and it, it really is important that we that we do work on ourselves and our own sense of joy in the truth so that we We can make this presentation. We can make it something that's appealing for them. And, oh, that guy, he's just so full of something. And I want some of that. Hopefully it's full of joy, but I want some of that. And, and yeah, we really have to make sure we present that well, don't we?
1: Oh, absolutely. Remember, Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So in our pursuit of joy, in our pursuit of truth, we're really pursuing Christ. right? We're not pursuing an idea. We're not, we're not pursuing a philosophy. We're not pursuing a state of being. We are pursuing a person. We're, we're pursuing a deep, intimate relationship. And so everything in our life should be pointed and directed toward the consummation and the fulfillment of that relationship, which, of course, will be in heaven. So what is our job? To get to heaven and to bring as many people as possible with us. So when we interact with people, they need to see Christ in us. right? Mm-hmm. That we need to, so we need to lead with love lead with mercy, lead with compassion without compromising the truths of our faith. That's mm. the key. So, for example, um, there was a, a, a gentleman, this was a number of years back now, when I was still very active in the parish, um, who came. Uh, this was a, a Saturday, vigil, uh, Saturday vigil mass, uh, and I was preaching. I just happened to be preaching that weekend. Uh, I've not, this, we have a, we have a very small parish. so You know, everybody in the parish, mm. uh, I, I, I noticed this young man, I didn't know who he was. And after mass, he came up to me. I was going to introduce myself then, but he came up to me first and introduced himself and said he wanted to talk to me. I said, sure. So we went into the, uh, rectory uh, presbytery, right. And we sat down to talk and he told me that he was gay. And I said, okay. I said, okay, well, t- 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 tell me your story. Well, this was the first time he'd been back to church in at least, you know, probably 10 years, eight years, eight to 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Because in his heart, he said he he was living, he was living this, this gay lifestyle. And, but his heart was telling him, ah, maybe this is not the right thing, but everyone else is telling him the culture telling him, oh, that's just who you are. That's how God made you, you know, you're still a good person, you know that, you know, uh, you know, j- you, you just love who you love, you know, God doesn't care who you love, that whole kind of thing. And so there was something that happened uh, uh, the evening before that greatly disturbed him. Mm-hmm. And the default setting in his heart was go back to church. And so he was very, see, the, here's the thing, Mark. He was very familiar with me, which is why he came to Immaculate Heart. Um, Cause he knew that I was a deacon there. Now he didn't know I was preaching. It just, it just, by God's divine providence, I happen to be preaching that weekend because I don't preach every weekend. Um, so he got a chance to hear the homily, and and something in him said, "I need to talk to him," mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so we sat down and talked. He showed me, he told me his story, and eventually, over the months, uh, again, so I did. I come out with him saying, "Okay, well, the catechism says this, the the Code of Canada Law says this. Da 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 da. You're going to go to hell if you don't convert." I mean, you know. Look, my, my, I listened to his story. I told him how grateful God was that he came back to church, and let's continue to talk. And so, over the next several months, we had these very wonderful discussions. We talked about um, his feelings and his same-sex attractiveness. We, we we just we openly shared, you know, with each other. I shared with him the teachings of the church and why the church teaches what it does. Again, over time, in the midst of a, just a conversation. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he eventually came back to church. I mean, I remember one time in Australia, after I gave a talk um, at Theology of the Body at one of the the big Maronite churches there, uh, 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 the the woman asked a question, but then she asked a question on behalf of her brother, who was same-sex attracted. Mm -hmm. And so afterward, even though she asked a question, he came up to me, he pulled me over to the side, and he told me, I want to talk to you. Now, you remember, I gave that talk and I was talking about, I mean, the church's teaching and the why, but he heard through me. Remember, we're just instruments, God's a musician. So we have to be finely tuned instruments in God's hands. So that those two young men that people would think, oh, why would they go talk to Deacon Harold? He's like a militant guy for the church and he's like really dogmatic and, you know, da-da-da. But, you know, but we have to lead with love. So the, the key is we love everyone. We always don't love their actions and we judge actions. Mm -hmm. We never judge people. So we lead with love. We lead with mercy, but we don't compromise the truth for that, right? We meet people where they are and we want to take them further. So in order for them them to see Christ in us, we, we have to say, how does this, how do I get this person standing in front of me to want to listen to more of what I have to say? right because the more they want to listen the more we're able to impart the beauty and truth of our catholic faith in jesus christ
0: yeah um, that 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 example of that witness of of basically the truth your joy your peace comes from that truth and and the fact the fact fact that people can see that in you and seek them out i suppose that's what i'm talking about is we are christ's witness and and to get people on this path that we're on if they're not seeing it in us they're not going to be appealed or attracted to that at all and it actually a story that it makes me think of is uh, Chris Farnick and he has his tv series on uh, called Real Life Catholic on EWTN and he did an episode in Haiti I think it was and he was working the missions in Haiti and the orphanages and and he also went to a, to a, um, a nursing home I think it was and there was a man there that was just lying on a stretcher and he couldn't move. That was his life. He was just lying on the stretcher. But he had the biggest beaming smile that you could ever imagine. And I know that Chris said at the time, like that—that that is Jesus lying right there. I can see Jesus in you. You have such a joy. You have such a peace. He mightn't have been happy all the time in the distinction that you made at the start because obviously he's suffering and that's his life, lying there on that stretcher bed. But he had such a joy and such a peace that that's infectious. So for others who see that, as that representation of the truth of Christ in the world, that's something appealing. Now, sure, you don't want the struggle that he's got, but even in that struggle, if you can be so joyful, that's something I want to be included in. You know, and I think those those sort of witnesses just being there and being visible in front of people and and having the joy and the peace in ourselves that that is the ticket. It's just to to get that to basically to share it around. You know, it, it, our, our faith and and. And, and our trust in our faith should be infectious. That should be something that draws people in if, if we're living it correctly. So we have to work so hard on ourselves to get ourselves in that position where we are that witness. Uh, I think uh, a way to do that and something that I and in our family have been working on just recently just to give you a, a story from my own household. We have really tried to simplify things. We have really tried to take stock of what we have, which I wouldn't say is excessively much, but what we have and then decide what we need, Do, is what we have something that is an obstruction to peace and ultimately to joy and then ultimately to happiness or is it something that is essential? And not this, not this year, but 20, Lent in 2022, we did, we did this thing where for 40 days of Lent, we did 40 bags. And what that was, was we went round the house, and every day in Lent, we filled up a bag. A bag of either rubbish to be disposed of, or as you say, trash, just so people understand what I'm talking about. So either a bag of trash, or a bag of items that are still good, but we don't need. And every day, for 40 days, there was another bag that we put together. And just think of how much clutter you can clear up in 40 days. And if you think of how much we cleared up, that was otherwise cluttering our house, cluttering our ability to find peace, because obviously we've determined that we don't need that. I really think that speaks to the value of a simple life to actually really cut back, to simplify. You don't always need that extra, whatever the item may be. So what do you think of that, uh, that concept about a way to find peace and ultimately joy and happiness?
1: Oh that that's beautiful because that's the witness of the family the domestic church the church of the home right so by being that witness and example you're passing on to your own children right the the uh, how to truly pursue a life of joy right mm-hmm. that will that will give them the happiness that their heart longs for and yearns for so that that lived witness and example in the domestic church is is extremely powerful you know and I've seen examples of that in, in uh you know do you wonder why countries that are poor economically are also the strongest ones in faith mm. right uh exactly you know the, the, yeah because they don't they they can't they don't they can't focus on the material because they don't have it they don't have so it. all they <laughs> can focus on is is the joy right the joy of the Lord so it doesn't matter how much stuff you have it's the mm. joy that God gives you in your heart. And that's what we should be striving for, particularly in the Western world.
0: Yeah. And I have to say that that, that concept that we developed, that's, that's all the genius of my wife. That's not something I came up with. That's, that's God making sure that my family's looked after in ways that I would never have considered through the genius of this woman he's, he's put here with me. So all credit to her for that one. Um, just as we go through this, we, we've, we've basically established that to find happiness, You need to have joy, otherwise the happiness is a false happiness and potentially just a crutch for an escape maybe. To find joy, you need to have the peace and the truth of Christ. There may be people out there today though that, you know, they're listening to this thinking, look, I can't argue with the theory of what you're saying, Deacon, but my life is in such a mess and there's no way I can get out of this hole. There's no way I can get to adoration and make a start there because, you know, God doesn't want to hear from me. God... God's never been there for me. And they're really doubting it. So they understand the theory, but they're really, they've, they've got their doubts just because of their situation. So what can we offer to people in this position just to say, like, it's not hopeless. This, this is a step. Take one step today. And what would that step be?
1: Yeah, see, and this reminds me of the uh, parable of the prodigal son, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we think we're like the prodigal son. We're so far away from where we should be. We're in the pig pen, right? We're, mm. we're, we're, we're in the depths of despair that, you know, no one can understand this experience that I'm going through right now. Um, yeah. But, but yet what did he realize in the depths of that pain, in the depths of, of, of that sin that he was in, that the only one that can help me right now is God, right? Sometimes God, puts us not where we want to be, but where he needs us because it's in that place, even in the midst of darkness, right? Mm -hmm. Christ is the light that came to penetrate the darkness of sin, to penetrate that darkness in our life. So what we have to be able to do, even in the midst of that darkness is like the Mm -hmm. prodigal son recognize the reality, the reality that the only One that can help me right now in the midst of pain is God. The drugs Mm -hmm. aren't helping. The alcohol, the rehab, none of that stuff is working because I don't have God in my life. Once you realize I need God, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: what does it? Jesus say, "Nothing is impossible with God." He, the the prodigal son, made that courageous turn back, and he says, "He said he rehearsed it in his head. I've sinned, Father. I've sinned against you, and, and, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son." And then he took a step. Then he took another step. Mm-hmm. Then he took another step, slowly making his way back to the father. And what happened? The father caught sight of him from a, it, from a long way off. The father caught sight of him, which means what the father was looking for him the whole time. Yeah. And so the father never takes his eyes off of us. Even we're in the depths of despair. Even we feel that God is not there. When we can't mm-hmm. feel God's presence. He is there so just having the ability just to courageously turn back and make that one little step i need god today i need god this hour i need god this minute and take a step the what happened the father ran to meet his son and god will rush to meet us because he will see the effort that we're making to come back to him to return to his love to return to his is gentle fatherly embrace and he will run to meet us. Why? Because of his mercy and his love are too great, are so super abundant that he cannot wait to impart yeah. and to share that mercy and his love with us, but we have to want it. He's not going to force it on us. So when we make that effort to turn back to him. He will turn back to us a hundred times more, but yeah. but it, it takes courage to get to that point to recognize that I need God right now.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a beautiful reality to consider that He is there searching for us. We don't even need necessarily to do all the work because He is there basically helping us along. Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't, uh, that doesn't mean we should be sitting back and letting Him find us. I'll, I'll come back when He finds me. But it does mean that He's there willing to help us back. He's willing to find us on our journey and bring us back to him. And, you know, I mentioned um, St. Augustine at the start. It makes me think of, of, of Monica, um, his mother. And St. Augustine was in a point where in his confessions, he mentions, Lord, Lord, make me pure, but just not yet, or something to that effect. So he knew that there was something he was wanting to get back to, but he wasn't willing to, to turn away from the lifestyle that he was living. But it was his mother and her prayers that just, endless prayers and ultimately those prayers were answered in god's time and it just goes to show the power of of um interceding for someone and if you know someone it's not necessarily you down in this depth of despair but you know someone down there and you feel like you can't connect with them just that constant prayer for them pray that 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 god will reach them pray that someone will reach them that, that that they will hear it from that person if they're not hearing it from you but just that witness of, of St. Monica, I think, is a really powerful thing as well. If you know someone in that, in that place where they've lost their happiness, they've lost their joy, they, they even if they understand the truth but just can't connect the dots, but they've just lost that. Just the interceding for them, I think, is a very powerful tool we can use as well.
1: Oh, there's, there's no question about it. Uh, intercessory prayer is powerful. We've seen countless examples of this in the scriptures where, mm-hmm. where God ha- said, I'm going to do this but because of the intercession of, for example, Moses, right? And Uh Abraham and the blessed Virgin Mary, for example, the wedding feast of Cana, right? So, so God changed his plans, changed his mind, in a sense, changed his heart. In fact, uh, uh, who was it? Um, I was reading in the liturgy of the hours in in the uh, uh, matins or what they call office of readings. It says prayer is the only thing that can conquer God's heart. (laughs) Is <laughs> one of the one of the church fathers says prayer is the only thing that can conquer God's heart. Right. That's wow. beautiful. Why? Because God, when he when he sees the fervent prayer of someone, remember Hosea, chapter six, verse six, I want a loving heart more than mm-hmm. sacrifice. Knowledge of my ways more than Holocaust. When see when God sees that commitment in us. He, you know, and, and he sees the depth of that prayer. He changes, and alters his plans, you know, uh, because of that intercession. It's, it's beautiful so we definitely should be um interceding for those that are in pain that are hurting and, and and the church has a beautiful sense of this not only for people on earth but also for the souls in purgatory to pray for yeah. them as well
0: absolutely very powerful prayer and prayer for the souls in purgatory because ultimately what we're then doing is if we pray for them and get them there when we maybe end up in purgatory ourselves, we've got someone who's going to be interceding Amen. right back from us and Amen. this is this is this is the body of christ all working together so that's a beautiful beautiful thought so yeah, I think we've we've established well that that happiness comes from joy. Joy comes from truth and peace. And it's just a matter of being on that journey, being looking there for it, being willing to, to maybe go out of our comfort zone a little bit and be willing to, and I think the key to all of this is as you said right at the start, accept God's will in our life. And as soon as we accept it, we will have the peace and the truth and the joy will flow from that and the happiness will flow from that. We won't always be happy. There's no way we can always be happy in this world, is there? Because this world doesn't contain ultimate happiness. But I think what you've presented for us today and just some of those thoughts are really useful in, especially in the world that we're in now, that's been so unsettled and, 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 and so, so much fear in the world lately. It's just a really good reminder that there is a path to follow, to actually get to our ultimate goal. And that path starts with accepting God's will in our life.
1: Yes. Amen. Um, you know, Jesus says, uh, true joy comes from the obedience of faith, right? Uh Jesus says, I've not come in John's gospel. I'm not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, right. That that our ultimate freedom comes from the fact, uh, from the obedience of faith. It's listening to Uh the voice of God and allowing that voice to change our life. Right. And so Mm -hmm. we listen to the voice in silence, in prayer and in fasting through intercession. Uh, the things that we talked about today, those are the things that will ultimately lead us to, to, to uh, happiness. And uh, one of the Psalms that, that you know, the people could take away from this episode is to read Psalm 16, right? To me, that's a Psalm of spiritual joy, right? And so at the end of that Psalm, is, is, it kind of sums up everything we talked about uh, today. It says, you will show me the path of life, the fullness of joy in your presence, Right? So when we're living in, uh, as uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, we're living according to the Spirit, according to the mind and heart of God. When we're living in the joyful presence of God, then what's the very last line of the Psalm? At your right hand, happiness forever. <laughs> you see? Yeah. You see, the, the pa- because yeah. we're living the fullness of joy in the Lord, we're able yeah. to have happiness forever. Both joy and happiness will find its final consummation its final and complete fulfillment in heaven.
0: That's a beautiful way to wrap it up. Thank you for bringing that in right at the last minute. That psalm, um, it really does tie it all together, doesn't it?
1: Yes, beautifully. Yeah,
0: fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Deacon, and for your expertise on on uh, on, on this particular topic. Uh, like I said before, I hope it, it does fi- help people find some peace and, and give them a bit of a direction and a bit of a an action plan, even just to to try and settle after what's been a really unsettling time in the world. So, so thank you very much for that today.
1: And thanks for having me, Mark. Always a pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you. And it's just just before we go, I'd like to actually just recommend one resource as well um, for those who have heard some of these podcasts with Deacon Howard and are, are really appreciating his wisdom and his insight into some of these topics. We do have this device, which is it's a it's a USB flash drive. And what it contains is 22, I think 23 maybe of Deacon Harold's audio presentations delivered at various events. And it's got the, the USB or the USB-C port there. So it's it's compatible to, to quite a number of devices. And and everything is there. You just put it into your phone or into your, your computer and, and you can play. There's a whole lot of extra storage space. So you can actually use it as a zip drive as well. In addition to all the, the content that's on there, we intentionally left space. So it's something that's actually a useful tool as as a practical tool throughout the day, as well as being a useful tool with the, the spiritual wisdom of Deacon Harold on there as well. So I would highly recommend uh, that you seek out one of those and, and, and get one of those in your possession. And you can find that on Deacon Harold's website, on his store page at deaconharold.com. And you can also find it on the Perusia store page, perusiamedia.com and just click store there as well. That is all the time we have today, so I'd like to thank you all for, for joining us again on Speaking with Deacon, and we look forward to having you with us next time. Thank you and God bless. You.